What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is officially draft week here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. He's John McMone. I'm Jody McDonald. The countdown is on. Three days till the draft now that we've officially kicked off on Monday. 99 days till the first Sunday in uh, sep- the second Sunday in September. First Sunday in the National Football League season. Uh, we're getting ready for some football, John McMullen. And some picks. Uh, I, I'm actually getting a little nervous for the upcoming draft. I like I have anything to do with it. But uh, we follow mm-hmm. the team as closely as we do here on Birds 365. Do I have right to be nervous with Howie Roseman running the show for the Birds? Um, yeah, I, well, I wouldn't be nervous, but I'm just excited we made it to draft week. Uh, such a grind to get here. So we're finally here. Uh, and and maybe now we can stop the silly season. But I I do think you know how we said there's 20 good players. You know the tier drops off at 20, and then 21 to 50 you see a lot of change. So in theory that should mean the Eagles are in pretty good shape at 15 and 18, because you know the quarterbacks aren't into that. And one thing everybody around this league is talking about, you see it all over. You know, GMs, how many quarterbacks are going to go before me? How many quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks? So if two quarterbacks go in the top 20, for instance, that that makes it even easier for the Eagles to maneuver. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, but from what I've been hearing, Jody, everybody's asking about trading back. Nobody's asking about trading up. So, you know, maybe the Eagles can zig when other people zag. And if they have somebody they really, really want, maybe it's a little bit easier to trade up and get him. Apparently, you saw the same Adam Schefter tweet I saw within the past. Uh, he's not hour. the only one. It's all yeah. over the place. He, uh, I saw his tweet saying that uh, the majority of teams sitting in the top 10, 12, 14, which would just about include the Philadelphia Eagles, are looking to trade back. That it isn't as top heavy a draft as. Uh, maybe it was uh, made out to be leading up to this draft week that there are actually more teams in trade looking to trade back than trade up. 
it's nice when you have the same number on both sides of the equation. Then you see a ton of activity. If it is lopsided, one more so than the other, you're right. It would behoove the Philadelphia Eagles to be more aggressive to look to trade up than trade back because you might actually be getting value. Do you think they've got a player like that? Do you think there is someone in Howie Roseman's sights that he says, man, if we could get them for just an extra third round pick or a fourth and a fifth to move up two slots, three slots. We know what the price was last year, a third to move up two slots from 12 to 10 this year, where you're looking to move from 15 up to, uh, do you think Howie Roseman has that type of guy in his sights? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think they have a couple players that they want. And if they begin to fall, maybe they would seriously think about, uh, moving up a little bit, not, not drastically. Um, and I think it starts with Kayvon Thibodeau. I think it, it starts with Ahmed Gardner. I, I don't think there's any chance that um, Ahmed Gardner falls to a position. I think there's an outside chance Kayvon Thibodeau does uh, for reasons that are unclear, to be honest. Uh, but from a talent perspective, he certainly belongs in the top five. Um, and then there's a couple, you know, Derek Stingley, maybe, um, but he's such a controversial pick from a, you know, some people love him. Some people think he's going to bust and, you know, he's the classic boomer bust. He might be the best corner in the NFL five years from now. And, you know, he might be out of the league five years from now. So that kind of depends on how the Eagles feel about the player. Um, and then Jordan Davis, I think, would be the one that you would target to move up a couple spots. If you think so-and-so is going to take him at 14, you might want to go up and get him. Um, those those are the four players I think would be in the conversation. Other guys, there's a lot of other guys, obviously, but most of them are unrealistic. You know, when you start talking about, you know, it starts with Jacksonville, the uncertainty, you know, Jack, there's a surprise coming to Jacksonville, Jody. So what does that mean? Well, I don't know what it means, but it means they're not taking Aiden Hutchinson. That's what it tells me. Um, so is it going to be Trayvon Walker? Is it going to be Icky Iguana, which would be the big surprise? Um, and that obviously has a domino effect from that point. So it starts at the top. Uh, with the Jacksonville Jag Jaguars, who don't do a lot of things that other teams would do, so it's even more uncertainty from a. And they would love to trade the heck out of there, but they can't. Nobody wants that number one overall pick because there's no quarterbacks worthy of that number one overall pick. And everybody's got their mock drafts. When do you put your final official mock draft up on SI? Uh, Wednesday I'm shooting for, might be Thursday morning. Uh, and it's, it's, it's only mock draft. I might add, Jody. You didn't, you haven't done one yet? No, I do Eagles only mock drafts. Oh, Eagles I only, only. Okay. I only do one first round mock draft. And, and I'm not the only one. That's Wednesday. a pushback. That's a pushback. Cause I can't stand the, the whole mock draft thing why it's fun because it's 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 a because i take honestly because i take them too seriously that, i try that's your problem you could just gotta have some fun with it john yeah, McCollin. i try to make them make sense 
And it takes a lot of work to do that with 32 teams. Um, so I just, you know, personal thing. I don't, I don't see much value in them, especially the early ones. Right. I mean, the, the, yeah. those, the, the guys who will put out a mock draft for next year man, uh, on Monday I mean, of next week. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous, but people yeah. eat that stuff up. So uh, I, I try and keep it in its proper perspective. Well, and then, you know, fans take them so serious, too. So that's part of it as well. Not everybody, but they take them serious and they get really upset. How could you do this? How could you do that? And I'm like, oh, it doesn't really mean anything at this point because free agency hasn't started. I don't know who they're going to sign and all that kind of stuff. Um. But yeah, if you like them, you like them. You can find plenty of them. You don't need mine. <laughs> I I do want to touch on someone's particular mock draft, and it will tie into something you and I have been discussing for shoot more than a month here on on Birds three sixty five, and that's Peter King. Uh, I think you understand and know that uh, I respect Peter King as much as I respect any football guy out there. Uh, he's only been doing it for decades. He only does one. He only does one, much like John McMullen, and his was posted today on uh, the ProFootballTalk.com uh, site. And, uh, again, Peter King is is grasping at straws just like you would, like I would, like our guest Ian Cummings is going to join us coming up in less than 10 minutes now. Any, anybody who's out there, a mock draft is educated guessing. That's all that it is. I just think Peter's a little more educated than most when it comes to the National Football League. Uh, his mock draft had the Philadelphia Eagles at number 15, just missing out on Kayvon Thibodeau, who he had falling to 13. So if Howie Roseman is looking to uh, move up and get someone, if he comes down to 13 and the price you have to pay is only the price to get from 15 to 13 and Howie can't pull that off, shame on Howie Roseman. Uh, but Thibodeau would be the third edge pass rusher taken. At number 13, which means at 15, George Karloftis would still be there. And Jermaine Johnson of Florida State would still be there. And he's got the Eagles passing on both. Now, you and I talked about Does this. Does he have them passing on Hamilton as well? <laughs> well, I'll get to Hamilton in a second. But you and I talked about this more than a month ago. When the Eagles re-signed Derek Barnett. I told you my biggest fear was that come draft day, there would be a legit edge pass rusher available where they were picking in the first round and they would pass because they would figure that they've got the edge pass rusher filled. The return of Derek Barnett, the return of BG, Brandon Graham, uh, still to this day. We won't know till they get on the field how they plan to use the sign Reddick, but the Eagles still need an edge rusher. They need one for this upcoming season. <clears throat> they need one for future seasons, John McMullen. And according to Peter King, they will leave two very good ones on the board at number 15. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to see Derek Barnett come back here. For this very reason, that the Eagles don't address an edge pass rusher. And then, oh, by the way, he's got them trading back a couple of slots with their second pick and number 18 and still not taking a pass rusher even though Carl Loftus on Peter King's mock doesn't come off the board at all in round number one. Um, yeah, I, I, couple things. One, I don't think they think of Carl Loftus that way. 
Um, but here's an example. I mean, they love Jordan Davis. That's what I assume Peter's going with. So Correct. if he's on the board, you know, they might take him. But I got to tell you where I don't agree. I don't think Jermaine Johnson's going to be on the board. I think if Jermaine Johnson's on the board, that changes the thinking for the Eagles. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But so that's number one. I I don't get the feeling they think Karloftis belongs in in the the conversation. So that's just a, an estimation. In other words, what I'm trying to say is now you can disagree with the evaluation. Um, it has nothing to do with bringing Derek Barnett back or Brandon Brank Graham coming back from injury. Um, it has to do with, they just don't think the player is belongs in that, that spot. Um, and then, so then it would boil down to Jordan Davis or Jermaine Johnson, as Howie always says, what's your favorite player? Who do you think is the best player of that two? You need both. Um, and I don't think you could go wrong with either, to be honest. Um, push comes to shove. I would take Davis. Um, I think he's going to be the better player. Um, I don't think Johnson's going to be there, so I don't I don't think you're going to have to worry about that type of decision. Uh, I think Johnson's coming off the board top 10. Um, so we'll see. But I, I don't think... Karloptis, and that was the problem with the Ojabo injury. That was the problem because I think, you know, if David Ojabo doesn't get hurt, and who knows what happens as far as, you know, pro days and how he would have run if he didn't get hurt. But he's pretty athletic, so I think he would have held up. Um, it, it, all of a sudden, you could sense the Eagles said, oh, you know, there's probably not going to be an edge rusher we like at 15 or there's a good chance that there's not going to be an edge rusher at 15 and then you got to start delving into other positions a little bit deeper and i think when you go way back when people started first putting out these mock drafts jody then there were six and Karloftis was in the mix but i think Karloftis left the mix ojabo got hurt all of a sudden six comes to four you know, three are going to be gone. Um, does a fourth reach 15? Peter's got him reaching 15. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but that would be a difficult decision for the Eagles. I just wondered how Roseman's going to have to make. Uh, I do want to ask you one more Howie Roseman question before we get up our, our first guest, who is going to be Ian Cummings. He joined us a couple weeks ago uh, from Pro Football Network and did a great job discussing the draft with us. Um, have the Eagles shut down business on the free agent front? They haven't done anything in a couple of weeks, but truth be told, free agency has uh, decreased to about a trickle around the National Football League. Much more conversations about Debo Samuel potential deals than there are actual signings of players that are still out there. The calendar tells you everything and kind of dictates things. People are so engrossed with their draft evaluation and positioning and the like. Most draft boards, who's actually making changes on their draft boards this week? I uh, don't know how you'd go about doing that. I know the Eagles had a couple very late pre-draft visits, which may have moved some pieces, but very little. Um, is this a good time to actually be thinking about signing a free agent? Because you know the free agents are getting nervous. 
they'd rather land somewhere before the draft and after the draft because they know uh, a bunch of players at their position can be picked and then team's interest at least uh, as soon as the draft is over is going to wane they're going to offer less and say no we got it covered with a young guy we don't need you the way we did so our offer isn't what it even was last week can the eagles actually surprise us and get something done to at least in part fill a positional need this week, uh, kind of swimming against the current. Um, I don't, I don't think so. The only way, you know, they'll get back to free agency after the draft. The only thing that would change that at this point, if somebody came in, Honey Badger, Tyrone Matthew would be the most obvious and say, "Hey, I'll come in for one year and five million. And then they go, "Sure, let's sign him." But you know, that's not going to happen either. Um. So I would put the odds at, at you know, 90% at least that they're not going to do anything on free agency until after the draft. And that's normal at this stage uh, from both sides. You know, from a guy like Matthew's standpoint, he probably wants to see what people do in the draft either. And there's going to be desperation if, if certain teams that need safeties right now, like the Eagles, um, aren't able to get a safety there aren't a ton of safeties you know you could talk about guys like nick cross and um in the third round and say well you know yeah that might be something two three years down the road but that's probably not going to help you much now um and you know there's maybe there's kyle hamilton dax hill if you want to argue lewis scene maybe three or four safeties at the most can probably step in and be a competent starter or, or above in the NFL level. That's not a lot. So if you're looking for a safety, you better get one early. And if you can't get one early, that increases somebody like Tyron Matthews leverage after the draft for the safety needed team. So that's kind of the way both sides look at it. So he's not going to knock on the Eagles door and say, yeah, I'll come in under your terms. Okay, well, I'm just touching on the fact that uh, you do like to tell us that the Eagles zig when others like to zag. Well, if nobody's signing free agents this week, maybe there's a deal to be made while no one else is paying Oh, there's attention. a deal, Jody. It's a team-friendly deal. Team-friendly? Yeah, we'll sign it. Anything else? Now we're going to wait and see what happens. Right, well, I'm just uh, throwing it in, out there into the mix that maybe, just maybe, there, there's a meeting in the middle. You're right. I don't think that anybody's going to grab a team-friendly deal as far as players go, but I know the Eagles aren't going to uh, bust open the checkbook and overpay for anybody. Is there a deal in the middle that may actually fit the mix? I would count down the days to the NFL draft, and we've got a couple of Jacob Media functions coming up. You will not be in attendance for either one, are you? You're going to be down at uh, Eagle headquarters. No, correct? I'm going to be Thursday I'm night. going to be at the Novacare complex. But everybody else in Jacob Mead is going to be at Ocean Casino and Resorts, right where we are right now, Jody McDonald. It's it's cold out here. Really? It's windy. It's oh, windy okay. out. Didn't didn't notice. My hair's not blowing in the wind, so I thought maybe it was just a calm and, and quiet day. Now we got the live broadcast down at Ocean's. Email Krause if you want to go down, if you're from the area and you want to go down and uh, kind of get into the celebratory mood down at Atlantic City at Ocean's. And we've got another live broadcast that's just been added to the mix. Top Golf Swing Suite. Uh, that's coming up. No, on... I think it, it is at the Top Golf Swing Suite at Ocean. 
So that's oh, where it's coming okay, from. Okay, that's what it is. That's right. where it's coming from. Seth Joyner is going to be there. Mike Quick, D Gun, Rob Ellis, Devin Caney. Uh, so a lot of people are going to be there, uh, obviously, with, with Seth and Mike Quick. So if you're an Eagles fan, stop by at Ocean Casino and Resorts. Uh, email uh, Krause at Jacob Media to get on the bus. There's going to be a bus going down. So you're going to be able to. Uh, 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 do it in luxury, Jody McDonald. And, and you can check out all the details at theoceanac.com. That is Thursday night for round number one. Uh, when we come back, we'll get our first uh, guest of the day up. Did a great job with us a couple of weeks ago. We're tapping into his insight for the draft again. Ian Cummings, Pro Football Network. Up next here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. 
as John likes to call it, the green room. Uh, we had the incomings in our green room ready to join the show and then uh, zotzed out. That's yeah. what happens when you're dealing with computer feeds. Sometimes they do just go by the way the dodo bird and disappear on you and become extinct. We're hoping that's not the case, that we get Ian back <laughs> up here in uh, a couple of minutes to talk about the upcoming draft. It's funny because you booked them to come on the show today. Yeah, I had booked them to join me on CBS Sports Radio yeah. last night. So I just talked to him within the last 14 hours, 16 hours, whatever it was. But I knew he was joining us here today as well. And it looks like there he is. Back up again. He is and, back in the green room. So we're abusing the privilege with Ian Cummings. I appreciate you joining the program, Ian. Did not know Jody had you on CBS last night, but we thank you for for doing double duty. And obviously, this is a big week for you, one of the lead draft analysts at ProFootballNetwork.com. So how excited are you, Ian? Yeah, it's Draft a, week, it's finally here. It's a very exciting time. I apologize for that. Right when I got brought on, the audio cut out. I was like, what's going on here? So I had to restart real quick and <laughs> jump right back in. But, uh, yeah, it's the busy time. It's the best time of year. Uh, and the reason that, you know, you watch so much tape in the lead-up is because you're prepared to talk about it this much in this week. It's the busiest week. So uh, it's been put in the work, but now it's the home stretch, and we're just kind of getting there. So it's it's the best time of year for sure. As I just referenced, uh, Ian was good enough to hop on my uh, national radio show last night. Anything change in the 14 hours since we last spoke there, big guy? Actually, you know what? We're, we're talking sweeping changes now. I'm just kidding. Nothing changes. Uh, we're at the point where most of it is settled, right? It's just a matter of, you know, we've watched all the tape. We know what we're talking about now. It's just a matter of what's going to happen. What are these teams going to do, right? So that's really the only thing that we're holding out for. Right now, at the moment, it's just kind of that big anticipation factor for the next week or so. I'm excited for the draft, but also excited for, you know, after the draft, when we kind of know what's happened, we can kind of cool down a little bit. Yeah, last week when I got to talk to Howie Roseman, Ian, uh, he kind of mentioned that same thing. I, I think we all use that term uncertainty, and Howie described it as, well, it's not uncertain about the players. You know, he sort of put the tears one to 20 and then 21 to 50 uh, from his perspective, the uncertainty comes with where the teams are going to go. So all the teams are asking number one, how many quarterbacks are going to go in that top 20? So how many players are going to fall? But it also seems like there's a lot of teams that want to trade down. So I guess we'll start with Jacksonville. They would obviously love to trade down. Nobody wants to go up to number one because there's not a quarterback. Man, they are a crazy organization in a lot of ways. They've said the term surprise behind the scenes. They've talked about four different players. If there's four players, I think we know Trayvon Walker. We know Aiden Hutchinson. Who do you think those other two players could be in the mix for, for Jacksonville? I would assume if I had to guess one of the or probably both of the top tackles, Evan Neal and Ikem Aquanu. I think Evan Neal, he's been a favorite for me because you have Cam, uh, you have Cam Robinson on the left tackle spot. He's got on the franchise tag, right? So I think with him at left tackle, Evan Neal is really the only top tackle in this class that has that natural right tackle experience. So you can put him there pretty, you know, pretty easily. Not going to be a lot of strain. Whereas with a guy like Charles Cross or Ike McQuanu, they largely played left tackle in college. Now, Ike McQuanu played left guard a little bit, but there is going to be that transition. And as we saw with Panay Suo, he was a good example when he had to play right tackle early on after coming over from left tackle in college. 
there were some lumps early on, right? So I think Evan Neal gives you the smoothest transition there. So that's the that's one of the ones that I would assume because in my opinion too, he's the top tackle in the class. You look at the athleticism, the size, and then the, the footwork is also very smooth. The hand usage, very technical, technically refined. So I'm a big fan of what he has to offer. I kind of Kwanu was there too because we've been seeing that it's not a consensus opinion as to who the top tackle is. And I think I Kwanu has a lot of fans there as well. And for good reason. I mean, he's very athletic, very powerful, very physical. He's a nasty mauler. You know, he's always blocking to the end of the whistle, you know. And so that physical upside and that mauler mentality is something that's going to win over a lot of teams. For Jacksonville, if they were choosing between those two, I like Neil just because he can file into right tackle, which, which is where you really need him right away. Uh, but I think those would be the top two. I know Ahmad Gardner's in the top five conversation a lot, but they have Shaquille Griffin. They signed Darius Williams. They have you know Tyson Campbell, who they drafted as a rookie last year and showed some promise down the stretch. So I don't think corner is in there. I'm not sure about safety. I don't think they'd pick a safety that high. You'd want to trade back for sure if you're getting a safety. I like Lewis Seen to, to at 33 for them, like at the top of the second round. But in the top five, top ten, probably way too high if you're talking about positional values. So if I had to narrow, narrow it down, probably those premier positions, Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson at edge, and then Evan Neal and Ike McQuan at tackle. Why isn't Kayvon Thibodeau in that group of four? Uh, I know that there were people followed a draft closely who said that he should be the number one pick in the draft in Jacksonville, may not be looking at him as one of their four choices. What are the question marks with him? I know he's got some uh, skills uh, to his skill set that absolutely make him uh, a potential dominant player at the next level. We don't know about any of these guys for sure uh, until they actually get onto an NFL film. What are the question marks surrounding Thibodeau? Yeah, so first off, the ones we got to talk about, the off-field stuff, which it's been very vague. There, there hasn't been any specifics there, which is why, you know, you don't want to run with it. It seems like, you know, you listen to him talk and he's got, you know, a personality for sure, but, you know, he's focused on his brand off the field, right? And that can rub some coaches the wrong way, as we've seen. I don't think it's an issue. You know, you talk about long-term, what he's done at Oregon, progress each year, kind of build on his game. You know, there's really no red flags from a developmental standpoint for me. That said, you know, early in the offseason and myself included, you know, when I first watched him, you, it's very easy to get taken by the traits. I mean, he has an elite first step very quick off the line. I think he has the most explosive first step in this class. Very good length, very good power capacity, you know, so that upside in itself is very tantalizing. But as a player, as a well-rounded player, still has a little bit to go. You know, he has shown that he can use his hands and feign rushes and kind of set up tackles, but he needs to be more consistent there. From what I saw, you know, he's got that ghost move. He's shown he can rip around the edge. But a lot of times he kind of just defers to those to those extensions. Sometimes he gets locked up at the apex. The hips aren't as flexible as you'd like to see. So the bend isn't quite elite. He can accelerate around the edge, but not quite at that level where he can sink his hips, reduce the surface area, and sustain that acceleration. So, you know, I think there's a lot more to improve in terms of the sustained hand usage throughout the rep. You know, and then also just, you know, technical stuff as well. A lot of times if he doesn't win on his first move, sometimes he'll get locked up and he won't be able to stack counters. So there, there is a lot of room for improvement. And at the same time, while he's explosive, while he's powerful, he doesn't have that elite bend that would that would suggest to me that he can win without, you know, that hand usage refinement. So I think there's a little bit of room to go. I still have him rated higher than both Walker and Hutchinson. Now, that's for different reasons with Walker obviously even more raw than Thibodeau from a hand usage perspective. And with Hutchinson, there are some limitations, you know, in terms of functional athleticism and physical, physical skill set that could weigh him down a little bit. So we'll see. But I, I think with all these edge guys, you got your questions. You have the upside, absolutely. But Thibodeau is not immune to that. He has questions as well on the field. 
Uh, Jermaine Johnson, let's keep it at edge rusher, Ian, because he's one of those guys, and that's another thing how we said is somebody might have a guy in the top 10, another team will have him down in the 20s. Peter yeah. King is, you know, plugged in as anybody. He put out his only mock draft today. He had Jermaine Johnson falling in the 20s. I got him in the top 10. Um, what, what, why do you think there's such a disconnect with him? And then George Karloptis seems to be falling back a little bit in the league's mind. Do you think that's fair? I think, um, yeah, it's really interesting, man. This is the first class, and, you know, to be fair, I haven't scouted a lot of classes, but this is the first class that I can remember where the opinions are so far across the board for anyone you talk to, right? I think with Jermaine Johnson, the thing that stands out to me is that, you know, that you look at the statistics, the, you know, advanced statistics, the pass rushing productivity is a lot lower for him. You know, for guys like Arnold Abikady and Aiden Hutchinson, it's over 30%. For, for Johnson, it's in the teens, right? So that's not a number that you'd be super comfortable with. Now, that said, you do have to factor in the role, the responsibility that he had in that Florida State defense. He was playing contain a lot. So he had to read the run before he just pinned his ears back and rushed the passer. At the Senior Bowl, we saw, you know, in those one-on-ones, he didn't have to read the run. He could just go. You know, he didn't have to hesitate, and he was dominant that part of the week. So I think that, you know, with Johnson – there is a little bit of a projection element in the sense that you are going to have to project, all right, what's what's he going to be able to do if he's not reading contain every single play, right? So I think that, you know, when you look at that, you, you look at the physical traits as well. To me, there's really no hangups. I think he's, you know, 6'5", 254, 34-inch arms, ran in four fives. He's a very good athlete, and he's got enough burst off the line. He's got that lateral agility. He's got the fast feet, you know, very amped up with his movements, which I love. He has the hand usage to win around the apex. I think he might have the most advanced hand usage arsenal in this class, you know, and then on top of that, he's got enough ankle flexion to bend around the corner. He's got pretty flexible hips. So to me, I'm with you. He's a top 10 guy for me. And he's a very good run defender as well. That's something that teams are going to like, especially on those early downs. But then you look at the stats, right? The pass rush productivity doesn't quite line up with the traits. And so maybe that's where people are kind of being hesitant there with George Karlaftis. You know, I do think there's a little bit more uncertainty with him. Johnson, to me, is a very well-rounded player. I wouldn't hesitate taking him top five. I would consider him at number one over Hutchinson and Walker as well. But with Karloftis, I think, you know, the thirty he had a 38-inch vertical, right? So athletic numbers, we've talked about it before. It's not something that you base your entire, you know, evaluation of their athletic profile on, but you can refer back to the tape with it. And he has that 38-inch vert. But I go back to the tape, and I don't quite see that burst off the line from him. I think he can play to capacity at a higher amount. You know, I do think he has power, for sure. Uh, he's got a little bit of ankle flexion, for sure. But I think the consistency still needs to be there. Right now, the only thing that he wins consistently with is power. And, you know, in the NFL, especially with his shorter arms, he's got under 33-inch arms. When there's longer tackles, they can get your hands on, on you quicker. You know, if they get your hands on you, you can't always get around that. You know, not super flexible in the hips not super explosive off the line, you know, those are limitations that might hold him back. Whereas with Jermaine Johnson, he has such a complete skill set that I'd be willing to bank on it. So I think there's reasons for both guys, but J Johnson to me has more avenues to succeed. All right, Ian, one of the positions Eagles are definitely considering is wide receiver. Um, they've kind of struck out all apologies to Zach Pascoe, uh on getting a veteran wide receiver during this offseason. So they may go back into the wide receiver market for the third consecutive year in the first round. I don't think too many people would argue that Jamison Williams, Drake London, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are the top four. If you want to tell me, no, they're not my top four, please do so. But if you agree they're the top four, what order do you think they're coming off the board? 
will be still sitting there if any of those four had picked number 15. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I would have to, you know, to me, Garrett Wilson seems like he's going off the board first. That's kind of where the buzz has been pointing right now. We know there was a report, I think, from uh, Tony Pauline at PFN uh, about how the Jets were kind of skeptical that he was going to make it to 10. So there's a chance someone goes top 10. Maybe Garrett Wilson is that guy. Now, me, I'm not sure I would take any of these guys as highly as they took Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle last year. But I do really love Garrett Wilson. He's my wide receiver one. I think, you know, you thought you talk about the three level threat. Can you separate? Can you win at the catch point? And can you get run after catch yards? He has all that in, in the toolbox for him. So I think with him, very complete skill set could weigh him up. I think Chris Olave is actually, like you said, being considered in that same conversation around that top 15 range. I know Washington really likes him, so maybe he's the pick there. Uh, but I, the Ohio State guys, I think there's a realistic scenario where they're both gone at 15. You know, So I think that's an option as well. Drake London, for sure. What, with Drake London, it really depends on how they view the injury, You know, right? Because he didn't wasn't healthy for a lot of the offseason. He did yeah. run routes at his pro day. He did show off that he was getting better, but didn't quite test. So, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty there, but he has the size and the athleticism definitely shows up on tape enough for me to not, you know, really be worried about it. And then Jameson Williams as well. You know, even with the speed, we've had reports that he's well along the way on his recovery. He's actually had a schedule. So looking at that, if you can get that speed in your wide receiver room, there's a chance he could go high. I think of those four, though, you know, to me, only three max go before 15. So I, I look at that, you know, I think someone's got to fall out of that group. Who, who is it? We don't know. But there's so many different needs. There's a lot of talent up top at tackle and edge and corner. And I think that could push down the receivers, at least one receiver. Someone's going to fall. If I had to pick on who that would be, I would maybe assume Drake London, just because I know Olave has a lot of fans. Wilson might be the first off the board. And Jameson Williams with that game-breaking speed, you know, there's, he only falls so far before someone trades up for him. So, Drake London, I think, would have the highest chance to go there. But, you know, it's really going to depend, as as John said earlier, too, you know, team preferences are all across the board. That's not, you know, mutually exclusive to edge wide receiver, probably. You know, it's all across the board there, too. Maybe a team like Traylon Burks as well. A lot of different factors and variables in this conversation. But that's my gut feeling at this time. You know, uh, wide receiver, Eden, you mentioned last year with Jamar Chase, who had a historic rookie season, and, and Jalen Waddle was very good. Devontae Smith was very good here. Um, comp those two classes, the top of that class versus the top of this class. Are, are these guys close to what Chase and Waddle and Smith brought to last year's draft, or are maybe people getting pushed a little up the board because people see – Teams see what Devontae Adams is getting paid and Tyreek Hill is getting paid and say, well, let me go the cost effective, have a rookie under contract for five years with the option year. Do you think that is pushing these receivers, the top receivers at least, a little bit higher up the board? Certainly. You know, I think that's a big variable in this is that, you know, teams are looking at how much it costs to resign those guys, like you said, and then they're looking at the draft. If I can get a guy that I really like on that rookie contract, get that fifth year option, more long term security, maybe that's the way to go. So I see that as a definite factor that's impacting it at, you know, in regards to the classes and how they compare. I do think last year's had higher level talent and, you know, in my grading. You know, I've seen that Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, they were a little bit higher, you know, than the top guys in this class. I would have taken them top 10. Garrett Wilson, as much as I like him, you know, not super refined as a route runner yet. He's, he's a very good route runner for sure. But I think it's more upside with his route running. He's got some wasted movement. You know, he's, a, he's experimenting a lot. So if you can hone that, if you can channel it, a ton of upside for sure. But some of it might not be immediately translatable at the NFL level. 
uh, with Chris Olave, you know, it's kind of a different story, very efficient, you know, very detailed, very methodical with how he uses his acceleration, but not that twitchy guy who can generate displacement at the drop of a hat for me, you know, so uh, there's enough questions with these guys. Whereas, you know, going back last year to Jamar Chase, all right, this was a guy, if you throw his way, he's catching it. That's basically how it is. Very explosive downfield, you know, he's a very good run after catch threat, very dense wide receiver. And then Jalen Waddle. I mean, this guy is like a human joystick. I mean, he's super explosive, agile, you know, can change direction at the drop of a hat. Even Devontae Smith, you know, this was a guy who, you know, a little bit on the smaller side, but more of a wiry, compact frame. And you look at how he plays the game, already very detail-oriented, a very good athlete. You know, people kind of glossed over that, but he can separate, he can accelerate in space, you know, and he's just so methodical, so detailed with the way that he plays the game. And then if the ball comes his way, he's got that long frame. He, he can extend, he can control his body. You know, I think that those top three would all potentially be over my wide receiver one in this class. Now, I do think that, you know, you look at the first round conversation in this class, I do think there's more wide receivers in that top group this year than there was last year. I think they're all a little bit lower than the guys last year, but there's a little more depth in that group. Like you said, you know, you look at Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, Traylon Burks even, you know, there's more options for you. But I'm not certain that those guys are going to quite have the immediate impact that Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Jamar Chase did. All right, let me go position specific again, and we will put to the side the fact that the Eagles have not taken a linebacker in the first round since 1979. Um, the two top linebackers, Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean, give me your ratings and rankings. Do they deserve to be players that should be looked at? from the 15 to 20 range. Do you think they're better than that? And they're actually in the top 15. Do you say, Jody, they're good, nice players. They're going to be starters, but I wouldn't use a top 20 pick on them. We know where the two Eagle picks are. Uh, putting the Eagles historical direction aside, where do those two linebackers rank for you as far as value goes in the first round? Yeah, it's a good question. And is as is always the case with draft evaluation, there's a little bit of a caveat. I'll get to that in a minute. But I do think these two are worthy first round candidates. It really depends on what you're looking for. I think Devin Lloyd is more of your outside linebacker who can, you know, play in coverage, be a will, you know, play in space, very instinctive in that range. And he has the explosiveness and the length to cover wide windows, you know, and, and kind of clog lanes for a quarterback follows their eyes well and then in run defense too you know he's pretty instinctive in the box he can sift through congestion make tackles and pursuit and he can rush the edge too he's got rushing moves in his arsenal so I think that he's a very complete outside linebacker Nicobe Dean's instincts I think are a little more consistent obviously a smaller linebacker but if you're looking for a guy to call signals to kind of keep that unit intact keep them you know cohesive from down to down then Kobe Dean is your guy, a very smart linebacker, plays very fast, very physical in the middle of the field. And I think that he compensates for his lack of size with that physicality. So I wouldn't have any reservations picking him even with the smaller frame. You know, he's still very dense, even if you measured in a little bit below six foot, you know, still a very dense, compact player with some play strength. Um, but here's the thing, though, you know, would you rather take one of these guys in round one or would you get Chad Muma in round two? You know, there's guys in round two that could have a similar impact. Chad Muma of Wyoming. Is a guy that I look to, you know, he's around 6'3", 240, very good size. But you look at how he plays at Wyoming, I think he's a little bit better in run defense than Devin Lloyd is. Devin Lloyd is very instinctive for sure. But when you encounter blocks in open field, you got to deconstruct those and disengage. You got to stack and shed. And Devin Lloyd is not always the best at that. He can get swept away because his frame, you know, while he's long, while he's tall, he's a little bit on the lighter side. And that can get, get him in trouble sometimes, especially against NFL blockers. I would be a little hesitant there. Very good coverage player very versatile, 
But Chad Muma, to me, when he engages those blocks, a lot better at stacking and shedding. He's explosive. He's instinctive. He can play coverage. You know, he can rush the passer. With me, Chad Muma gives you potentially better value. And there's other guys, too. Quay Walker, an elite athlete with great size from Georgia, who's very good at matching laterally and tackling downhill. You know, there's a lot of different guys in that round two range that may be able to give you comparable value if you want to use those round one picks on a more premier position. And as we've seen with the Eagles in recent history and long-term history, it's just not a position that they value that highly. Now, obviously, we know Gannon's scheme might change that, you know, with what they need there. And I do think that Devin Lloyd and Kobe Dean could give you what you're looking for, depending on what you want, that outside backer who has that versatility or that mic who can keep that unit intact. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of options in round two and round three as well. All right, Ian, uh, Jody let you in on that obvious bit of trivia for Philadelphia fans that haven't taken an off-ball linebacker since 1979. Well, I'm going to let you in on the fact that they've never taken a safety in the first round of the draft, period, ever, ever, ever. So I'm going to play the odds and go with history and say they're not taking a safety in the first round. So if I cross out Kyle Hamilton and Dax Hill, and I know you like Lewis Seen a lot. He might be a potential first rounder, a bridge pick. But I, I, I ask you, I need a safety to play. The Eagles need a safety to play. Um, how deep does that class go with guys that could be potential plug and play in day two? It's not, it's a very deep class in terms of the upside, for sure. I think if you're looking for guys who can plug and play a little less deep, I think there's a lot of upside there, but the options kind of dwindle. Because again, you know, with safety, there's so many different molds that you might have nine safeties in a given range, but maybe only three that play the role that you're looking for at that specific role. So it's a really interesting discussion to have, I think, with the Eagles especially. You know, if you need a rangy guy up top, Kirby Joseph is your guy from Illinois. Uh, very explosive, has that range, has that playmaking ability, has the ball skills and the catch point. Uh, you know, coming down to the run, not quite as consistent. So if you need a strong safety, you can play in the box and kind of enforce and tackle downhill. I'd say Brian Cook from Cincinnati is a guy that, you, that, would, that you'd really like. Not quite that elite athlete that I'd want roaming the back end, but in the box, very instinctive, very good tackler. And when the ball does come his way, he can make plays on it. So those are a couple options for sure. Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Petrie, some other ones. I think Brisker, you know, he played in the in the box a lot at Penn State, but he does have the range to play back end. So if you're looking for a versatile guy, he's your guy. Jalen Petrie played in the slot most often at Baylor. But I do think he projects pretty well in coverage. So, you know, get him in that strong safety role. He can be that enforcer coming downhill. Very physical, plays very fast. You know, there's a lot of different molds. It's just That's kind of how it is. I think those four are the, the are the four that stand out to me as guys that can play early, you know. Um, I think after that, you're kind of banking on developmental potential. Again, a lot of developmental potential in this class. But if you're the Eagles and you really want someone, I think that day two range is the way to go. Because once you get to day three, a little less certainty. And that's kind of how it usually is, right? You know, you kind of get the guys who can play early on, uh, earlier on in the draft in day two. Uh, once it gets to day three, it kind of trickles down a little bit. All right. I have seen some people's mock drafts that include no quarterbacks taken in the first round which between you and I, I don't have a problem with. I just think it's a mediocre quarterback class. Sorry, Kenny Pickett. Sorry, Malik Willis. Sorry, Matt Corral. I, I don't know that there's a quarterback that deserves to go in the first round. But there always is because that's the NFL, that you need a quarterback. And if you don't have one and you want to get one, so you take your chance in the first round, you're over-evaluate. Give me your grades. Is there anyone with a legit first round grade 
for Ian Cummings this year, and who's going to be the first team to go, screw it, we got to get a quarterback. And even though we don't actually believe he deserves to be drafted here, we're going to draft him here anyway. Yep, that's how it always is, man. It's the quarterback tax. That's what I've heard it called. You know, that's what I like to call it, too. I've kind of taken that term, adopted it. But, you know, it is really the positional value and how much you need a quarterback to succeed in the NFL level. When you get to a certain point, that threshold in round one, team's going to be willing to take a chance on that guy because he might have the upside to become that. Now, is he going to become that? Would I bank on that? Would I bet money on that? For a lot of these guys in, the, in, the, in this class, my answer would be no. You know, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen. I think the most important thing as a draft evaluator is that you're open to outcomes and all possible outcomes in the future. So as much as I don't like a guy like Malik Willis, you know, right now, you know, we could look back in, in three years and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. That said, with the information we have on tape, I don't have a first-round graded quarterback. And Willis was the guy that I finalized yesterday. You know, athleticism, arm talent, it's all there in spades. But, you know, the different categories that you need. You know, quarterback is not just about physical traits. That's obviously a big part of it. And that can separate starters from backups long-term. But if you are going to play quarterback at the professional level, I need to know that you can manage the pocket. I need to know that you can go through full field reads. I need to know that you have good field vision, that you can see what's out there, that you don't miss open reads or maybe try to force the ball where there's nothing there. You know, I need to know that you have those quarterback skills, not just the physical skills. Malik Willis, to me, is very much a work in progress there. That's not to say that he can't do that. I look at the Liberty offense, and there were times when the route concepts kind of just set him up to fail. You know, they didn't really play off of each other well. I do think you get him in the NFL quarterback room, maybe he can develop. He's got the traits too. But at this point, I wouldn't bank on it personally. I wouldn't put money on it. It really depends on where he goes and whether he has time to sit early on. With Kenny Pickett, kind of a different story. You know, I do think that he has some upside for sure. But I don't think he has elite upside. He's a very good athlete for sure. I think he has a good arm. Uh, not a super strong arm, but I do appreciate the elasticity. When he goes off script, he can throw with velocity. You know, he doesn't, it doesn't fade in that phase. He's very good off script. But that said, you know, if you're a quarterback that doesn't have elite physical upside, then I need you to be very good in the other areas. And while, while he is good, you know, with processing, there are some lapses. With pocket management, very skittish, leaves the pocket early a lot. So not disciplined enough for me to say this guy is definitely going to succeed. At his peak, I think he can be a Derek Carr type quarterback but I don't think he's quite there right now. And the same goes for other guys too. Desmond Ritter, mechanics are an issue. You know, he's got the athleticism. He's got the leadership. He's, he was a winner in college, which I know NFL teams will like, but the mechanics are a big issue. And especially when he's under pressure, that's when it all collapses. In the NFL, you're going to face more pressure. Sam Howell, kind of a similar deal. Under pressure, eyes drop a lot. Really a one-read quarterback who didn't really go for through full field progressions a lot. And then Matt Corral, you know, kind of the same deal, especially in that Ole Miss offense. They really took a lot off his plate this year. Uh, 2020, you know, he was very, you know, he was kind of that gunslinger in 2020, you know, making those plays downfield, but a little volatile too. And this year, it really felt like they restricted him. You know, it, it felt like that he wasn't efficient on his own, but he was really just kind of playing within the offense. And if you, you ask yourself, What's he going to do if I put more on his plate in the NFL level? What's he going to do when he has to create something with his eyes or his arm? You know, I'm not super confident in that. And then Carson Strong as well, you know, has a very strong arm, uh, but he's not that much of an athlete. He's not that much of a creator. And he has that arm arrogance sometimes where he doesn't quite see the safety downfield. You know, if I have a guy who's a pocket passer, he's got the discipline. Sure, he's got the poise. But I would like him to see the field a little bit better at times so, and make better decisions. So there's a lot of uncertainty here.
bottom line. He's he's Ian Cummings. You can see on the screen there at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. You can read him at profootballnetwork.com. I think he got a mock draft Monday today on, on tonight on Twitter spaces. So check him out there. We're sorry for abusing the privilege uh, past couple of days with Ian, but you can listen to the guy for five minutes. You know what he's talking about. So I recommend everybody reading Ian. Uh, last one from me. I'm going to talk about the guys who uh, it's their job to make life miserable for those quarterbacks you just talked about. Those are the cornerbacks and specifically Derek Stingley Jr., there's a guy from talking to people in the NFL. Some people think he's going to be maybe the best player in this draft. Other people think he's going to bust. Where are you on, on Derek Stingley Jr.? Yeah, so he's a top five player for me. And this was something, you know, I finalized him, I think, back in February or March. But I wanted to go back to the tape and see because obviously he didn't have the same production in 2020 and 2021 that he had in 2019. You know, and that's the first thing that really pops out to you looking at the stats was an elite player in 2019 right off the bat as a true freshman in the SEC, a very impressive feat. You know, but the next couple of years, the production kind of trickled down. So that's something where you have to look at the tape and see, you know, well, was he still performing the necessary coverage roles or was there a bit of a drop off there? I think in 2020 was still a very good player in coverage. You see, you know, in 2019, when he came out, he wasn't just winning on his traits. Now, obviously, has elite athletic traits where he can turn run with receivers, the short area athleticism to match guys off the line, but also very patient and disciplined with his technique. He's got those, you know, short area techniques that he can use to match guys, the kick slide to get out wide, you know, a lot of different ways that he can win at the line. He's very patient jamming. You know, he doesn't jam before his base is set. So I look at, you know, the technical refinement and the athletic upside that combines to form a very, very good player, even when he's not getting thrown at. And a lot of times he doesn't get thrown at because he does everything right at the start of the rep and, and completely blankets his receiver. We saw that a lot in 2019 and 2020. 2021, obviously, it was injured for a good portion before kind of putting putting himself on the shelf uh, later in there. But I do think he still showed some good reps in coverage. The tackling does need to improve. That's one of the areas for improvement with him. Uh, the tack tackling is very inconsistent. Technique-wise, goes high a lot. Doesn't quite have the strength to, to wrestle guys down. You know, the length could be an issue for teams. I know he measured in, I think, under 31-inch arms. So there are teams that have kind of thresholds that they like to hit with that length. And if he doesn't meet that, maybe they'd rather take a guy like Ahmad Gardner or Andrew Booth or Kyir Elam. We'll see. Uh, but Derek Stingley is a little bit on the shorter side with his arms. That said, to me, it's not an issue because I think he plays a lot bigger than his frame. And you see that when the ball's up in the air, he can go up for it like anybody else. So I think that all the traits are there for him to be a lockdown cornerback and a playmaker at the next level. So now that he's proven that he's healthy at his pro day, uh, he's a top five guy for me. And I'm very excited to see what he does. All right, I'm going to hit you with a cornerback as well, but a day two guy and a potential day three guy. No, we all focus on the first round. That's what we'll do Thursday, and then we turn our attention to everybody else. Day two guy first, then a day three guy. A day three guy who you and I talked about last night. The day two guy. Give me what you saw on tape from the kid McCollum from uh, Sam Houston State. Small school, didn't get to see him on TV. So you got to do your homework on him to find out. I know some teams think that he's talented and will go somewhere on day two. 
so I do want you to give us your breakdown on him because he's the guy I could see the Eagles if they get shortchanged at the cornerback position, somebody's there, they go somewhere else. He's the kind of guy who could be a pick for them. And then give me the breakdown on Sam O, your defensive tackle for Maryland that we discussed last night. I had never heard of the kid, to be truthful with you, so I had to do a little research after you and I were on the air last night. Why do you think he's a day three pick, little undersized DT coming out of Maryland? Yes, sir. So I'll start with McCollum. Uh, I had a chance to watch him a couple of weeks ago, you know, in depth. And I'd, I'd seen him before that for sure. You look at the production and he was dominant at the FCS level, which is what you want from your corners. If you're if they're going to test as well as he did, you know, you want to see that stat sheet and see him putting up massive numbers. And he obviously did that. Interestingly enough, I think the ball skills is something where he can improve, you know, even with that production. A lot of that production just came because he was always in the right place at the right time. And that's because you know, you look at how he tested. I think he had that three cone in the six fours, which is absolutely absurd, especially for a guy who's six two and almost 200 pounds. Right. So, you know, this guy is an elite athlete in every sense of the word. And that checks out on tape. I mean, especially with a corner, you can't just be explosive. He is explosive. He can turn around with guys. But, you know, as we've said, especially with Stingley and Booth, they have that short area athleticism where they can match receivers off the line with the releases step for step and not give them an inch. Zion McCollum can do that too. You know, I think technique wise can be a little uncontrolled at times. Sometimes it gets worked off base pretty easily, but the athleticism is all there for him to match guys and run with them. Very sticky cover man. You know, there's times where he can be a little more disciplined. He's very physical. He's very willing to jam guys, but sometimes the positioning isn't quite where it needs to be. He'll jam before setting his base. You want to see the timing improve there, but all the physical traits are there, can match guys. I was awestruck by the efficiency of motion that I saw in his tape for his size. Very easy, very fluid mover, you know, but very twitchy and, and explosive as well. So you love to see that and speed to, to carry guys downfield as well. You know, the technique can improve in the air too. He doesn't always get his head around. I want to see him improve that. And then at the same time, could see him get getting out muscled by wide receivers in the NFL early on. But I do love the physical traits. And it, it all boils down to, you know, the short area athleticism needed to match guys and recover too. So I'm a big fan of him. I take him on day two, you know, for that reason. And I think that, you know, if you do get him day two, if he can develop into what his maximum potential is, you're not drawing the short straw. You're, you're getting a steal. So I really love this guy, Sam O. And I'm not going to try to say his last name again because it's a tough one. I've had practice with other last names, but uh, Sam, I should try to say it here because some people might not know who he is. Sam Okua Yanonu out of Maryland. Uh, he's a very fun defensive lineman. A well done, of- by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I was at the Senior Bowl, I think, last year, and we had Osa Adigizua, Levi. Ooh, what? Wait, 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 wait. Repeat that, please. I was at the Senior Bowl last year, and we had Osa Adigizua, who's with the Cowboys now, Levi Onwuzarike, uh, Adetokumbo Ogundeji. I've had practice. I've had practice. I'm trying to get You're better good. at that. For You're sure. good. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Sam O is a very fun player, a little undersized, which is why I think he goes day three. Uh, at Maryland, you know, he's around, I think, 6'1", 6'2", 6'1 I think, 272 pounds. But he's got over 33-inch arms. So he's got very good proportional length. And to me, I love those guys that have that, you know, a little bit shorter, a little squattier, but have that length so they can get inside guys and reach the contact point first. I love that combination in my defensive lineman. Uh, but you look at how he plays, too. Very amped up player, very twitchy, very energetic. He's like a ball of energy on the interior line. You put him at three tech and those one-on-one matchups, very violent hands. You know, he's got that lateral athleticism to get displacement very quickly. And he's explosive off the line, too. He has a 35-inch vert in in pro day testing, and it shows up on tape. Uh, So very explosive, high-motor guy. He's got some power capacity, too, I think. There's a lot of, of, of upside with him, and he had, does have some hand moves in his arsenal. Would like him to kind of keep filling that out. 
Uh, but he's a versatile guy. You can play him at, at three tech or out to five tech, really move him around, especially for teams with hybrid fronts, you know, where they can move guys around, kind of be flexible. I really like his upside there. So I think the athletic traits are all there for him. If he can keep refining his hand usage, maybe get a little bit stronger, put some more pounds on that frame, can be a very good player in his seal in day three. Ian, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. I know you've got a lot of spots to do between now and Thursday. We appreciate you digging in for one for us. Enjoy the rest of the week, bud. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Always appreciate it. Ian Cummings from the ProFootballNetwork.com. Uh, man, does he know his stuff. Uh, yeah, he just, does, man. He can listen like, to that guy for five minutes. You know, he knows what he's talking about. It's like a tutorial. Yeah, you, you try and take in everything that he gives you on every single player, and you know you can't remember it all. Uh, so do check out his stuff on their website. We thank Ian for hopping on with us. All right, Mac and Mac, guys. That would be John McMullen and Jody McDonald coming back. We'll go with a little bit more Eagle-specific in hour number two, our bud Chris Franklin from NJ.com going to jump aboard Birds 365. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker, Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was gonna be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was gonna be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was gonna be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, your Mega Mac Birds 365 day guys, as the days are counting down to the NFL draft. Uh, we get round number one on Thursday, two and three on Friday, and then finish it out on Saturday. And one of the fun things that I enjoy about the draft is the mad scramble thereafter for undrafted free agents. People think, ah, oh, you can celebrate, shut it down, kick back, have a cocktail. After dra- no, 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 no. They, oh, they no. work as hard, if not harder, when no. the draft ends. Shoot, between no. you and I, it probably no, starts they, around. They start before the draft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> around six, you start putting feelers out and going, listen, no. if they don't call your name, we are very interested. We'd like to get a chance to get you and the agent on the phone as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. The after the draft work is as uh, significant and uh, hard driven as the actual in draft work because the picks are the picks are the picks. And the players, oh, by the way, if you're going to be picked in the seventh round, and this kid Samo that I just asked uh, Ian about uh, is a guy who I think is, is, is a borderline day three, round seven, undrafted free agent kind of guy. He'd probably be better off not being drafted. Oh, yeah. Always. I I say always better not being drafted than being drafted in the seventh round, um, especially late in the seventh round. Because in theory, if you have a good agent, you know, he looks at, all right, this team needs this, this team needs that, don't consider this team, Uh, the numbers don't work out for you, and you can find the best spot to hopefully um, latch on. And, you know, more likely for an undrafted free agent, uh, you're talking about a practice squad berth at first, and then who knows what happens from there. But I got to tell you, Jody, and the Eagles are in this category as well. There's a lot of teams I'd like to keep one or two undrafted free agents. You know, I think there's some ego involved. Look at me. I found so-and-so from uh, undrafted. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of undrafted players in this league and that develop over the years. And 
Um, it's a big part of it. And, and the Eagles usually have one of the bigger budgets for undrafted free agents. Yeah. So don't shut your mind off as soon as the seventh round ends, but you're right from a player's perspective in a lot of ways, except for, look, it's nice to be able to tell your grandchildren I was drafted by an NFL team, but from a logical, you know, standpoint of, of trying to make it, it's probably better to be, at least have an opportunity to pick a team or pick a, a certain situation. Right. Here's the reason why I won't go 100%. You and I are very close to being on the same page here. 80, 85, 90% time better to be undrafted. So your agent can play the game, pit one team against the other, maybe get you a couple extra guaranteed dollars, even though you were an undrafted player. A lot of times players who are undrafted get more of a guarantee on their deal than a seventh round draft pick will. But here's where I think ego does play in a little bit, not the player's ego, the general manager's ego. You talk about the guys wanting to, Hey, look, I got an undrafted guy. (laughs) If you got to cut a seventh rounder after the camp, I'm sorry. It's much easier to cut an undrafted player than it is a seventh. As soon as you attach that word drafted to a player, when you do move on from him, it's a little bit of a uh, cut. So that's why I'll tell you, being picked in the seventh round, you might just get a slightly longer look. Here's what it comes down to. And again, your opinion, my opinion, the player's opinion, the player's agent opinion. What do they already have on the roster at your position? Sometimes a team is actually drafting a need in the seventh round. They know they specifically have to add bodies, have to, they've got a slot open. You just got to come in and do your job. You're going to make the team. Sometimes a seventh round pick is a guy that they're already slated for the practice squad, that they've got four deep at the position, but they just think the guy is too, they can't believe he's sitting in the seventh round. They had him on their board as a fourth round talent. They don't want to pass on him, even though they don't really have a positional need. Well, now you're up against a numbers game and you're going to be uh, swimming upstream all camp long just to make the practice squad for that team. So it's, it's an individual situation for every player, every single team and the like. Uh, you ask me which one I'd rather be. I'd rather be an undrafted guy than a seventh rounder. But there is a particular scenario where being a seventh round pick is better if the team actually has a need at that position. Yeah, from a logical standpoint. And then I brought up because from a player standpoint, if I were a player, you know, I'd probably be rather, rather be drafted just for that. What I said, you know, that's pretty cool uh, to be able to say for the rest of your life. I was drafted by an NFL team. So I think especially for young kids, um, you know, it's pretty exciting if they get drafted, pretty disappointing uh, if they don't get drafted and they thought they were going to get drafted. So from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's disappointing. But I think after, you know, they think about it for a couple of days, their agent explains to them, this is probably better uh, for you to, to get a, a, a toehold into the league. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they turn, they turn around, but you know, it's, it's exciting to get drafted by an NFL team. Then I'll give you one more very Philadelphia relatable situation where being picked in the seventh round is advantageous. That would be Jordan Mylotta. The Eagles were thinking outside the box, bringing a guy in who's never played football, do we use the seventh round draft pick? on? Well, maybe we're the only team on the planet that knows. Do you want to take that risk? 
If you really believe you've got a guy who you've got undercover, under wraps, nobody else knows about, a little nervy that you put that call in during a late sixth round. Maybe you even find out that the player has actually been talked to by another football team. You go, uh-oh, yeah, we can't afford to lose this guy. We want to lock him up. We want to make sure he's ours. Let's go ahead and use that seventh round pick rather than get into a bit of a bidding war about an undrafted free agent player. And you go ahead and you use your seventh round draft pick on him. So that's where I think it comes into play sometimes in the seventh round. You don't want to get into a bidding war with someone as an undrafted free agent after the draft. No. And, and, you know, it's interesting because I wrote about this. It's interesting that you brought it up. We didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't put this together, this segment, but I wrote about uh, how things you mentioned, maybe nobody knows. Oh, everybody knew about Jordan Mylotta. Um, <laughs> and, you You're know, new. Yeah. You're new. That's what yeah, everybody but, was saying on draft day. Come no, on. No, no. I mean, everybody in the NFL knew about Jordan Mailata. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about fans. No, 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 no. Obviously, none of the fans knew. But we're talking about draft, and maybe we know about somebody. That's what I'm saying. Howie was just talking about that last week about Andy Studebaker. He gave the Studebaker story, and that was 17 years ago who nobody knew who Andy Studebaker was. And he ended up, you know, being a six-round pick and playing, I think, eight years in the league. That doesn't happen anymore. You played at Wheaton College, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, a six-round pick from Alabama doesn't last eight years, never mind Wheaton College. So those kind of guys don't exist. And Jordan was, you know, with I, IMG Academy uh, working out in Florida. Um, and so – all NFL teams got to look at him. And, you know, obviously Jeff Stoutman was a big part of it. He tells the story where he's going on vacation and how he called him up and said, you got to look at this kid. And he, he had to go down to Florida and he's happy he did. Um, my only point is everybody in the NFL knew who Jordan Mailata was. So the Eagles were concerned that somebody else was going to take him late in the seventh round for the same reasons they did. Um, and they said, you know, if we're going to get the kid, we're going to get him in a program. We're going to have to draft him because he was going to get drafted. But obviously, nobody's going to do it in the sixth round. Turns out they should have. Right? <laughs> yeah, they should have. But, you know, that's what I was saying. Those old, old you know, less than a generation ago, because Studebaker was 17 years ago, you could find players that nobody else knew about. But in the modern generation, with, he called it the age of information, uh, where everybody's got film, everybody's got social media, it just doesn't exist anymore. And and yeah, Jordan Mailata was not known to the fans, but he was very well known to NFL teams. And that's why uh, the Eagles made the right move by using a seventh round draft pick. And again, uh, we're we're so. We're such great second guessers, and I'm pointing you, me, and every single legal fan who's streaming in right now on Birds 365. We all want to second guess Howie Roseman. Some of us will give Howie credit when he does something right. Others just stone cold refused. Uh, but I like to think you and I are guys who will at least give Howie credit uh, when he does get him right. That's one of the absolutely at the ball out of the park. Use that seventh round pick, lock in Jordan Mailata. Very easy to evaluate that now and give him credit for it. X amount of years and a mega contract later when he played almost Pro Bowl level left tackle this year for the Eagles. 
Um, but we we do try and uh, balance the second guessing with the credit when it comes to Howie Roseman. One thing I've always given Howie credit for is his Monty Hall effect on the NFL draft. He's always willing to make a deal. I thought the story that he told the other day when he met with the media was a, a truthful one and a good one um, in that he gets all his first round draft potential trades out of the way before the draft ever rolls around that he knows, you know what the draft board is, you know, who's got what pick where, you know what your board looks like. You see a grouping of some players. You'd think one may draft down. All right, let's call up to whoever's holding the 11th pick and see what the cost would be to move from 15 to 11. All right. The draft board is falling a specific way. You know, we could add draft capital. We can get the similar type player down at number 22. What what could we accrue if we were to drop down, whatever? He does all this before the draft ever hits. He's already got yeah. that in place, J-Mac. We've got three days to go, but Howie already believes that he knows what the cost is going to be either moving up or moving back in the first round of the draft. Yeah, and that's going to be concerned. He's not the only one. I mean, you know, that's also a problem in the NFL. Not a problem, but, you know, there's less, there's fewer and fewer really, really bad organizations that don't know how to do these types of things. And, you know, and again, I, I'll go back less than a generation. There are a lot more. Now, I'm not saying people don't make bad decisions, but, you know, they could be unprepared. Nowadays, you don't have unprepared people coming into the draft. Like, you know, if you saw the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner and the Goopball, who I think it was Jacksonville, ironically, the Goopball GM in the movie. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's exactly, it's exactly that, what it was. Yeah. Yes. They don't, that, that doesn't exist. It, you know, maybe it existed, you know, 20, 30 years ago. That doesn't exist anymore. No, um, John, let's be honest. That was a Hollywood thing. Yeah, there's well, yeah. Never, there's never been no, a general never. manager oh, as well, stupid as that, that general that, manager. That, that word, ever yeah. in the history of the National Football Even in Jacksonville, there's never been someone well, so stupid. Giants fans might argue Dave Gettleman is. But uh, no, from that, the, the trade that they got, yeah, nobody's been that dumb. Um. But you you get my point. Yeah, obviously it's Hollywood, but everybody's got their first round picks. The problem this year is, you know, if they want to go up and down. And, you know, Adam Schefter said it, a bunch of other people have said it, you know, everybody's looking to trade down. Nobody's looking to trade up. And that's where maybe you you can get the advantage. Like I said, by zigging while everybody else is zagging. Maybe say everybody's coming down. Let's go get up and, and and get this one player we want. So maybe you do go about it that way. But as far as other GMs, yeah, I mean the first day of the draft, it's easy. How we explained it, you have everything. You say you know you, you everything's structured, and then you can't do that in day two, day three because there's so many variables that come into it, and then trades are more fluid in the moment. But you got all this time. You say, okay, who might want to, you know, you're calling all these GMs, you know, they might be, have already talked to you about trading down. They're open for it. They're open for business, so to speak. And you say, all right, if this player's here at this point, uh, you already have it worked out with Joe Douglas, for instance, let's use him as an example. This is what it's going to take to get up to 10. How he already knows that. So if there's a player there that they want to go get, he knows, he already knows what it's going to take to get there. 
and that's just makes your life easier on draft day. Now, here's the fun part that we don't get a chance to see because we're not flies on the wall in the old uh, draft room. You call, make a call, draft day, the clock is running, and you say, we already discussed, and the other general answer says, yeah, no, we're, we we didn't think the board was going to fall this way. So what we thought we were going to be able to do with you, uh, we're not really up to doing. We'll do it if you change it and add it and upgrade, which when they do that, you know, they're just stone cold lying to you. They're just trying to take advantage because uh, you called them rather than they called you. I, I would just, one of these days, it's kind of one of my bucket list things, is to just sit in on a, uh, a draft day uh, to see how the machinations of the trades and the phone calls and who makes them and who's actually got juice and who's just piping in at the last second and to reassure myself that there isn't as stupid a general manager as there was uh, in Jacksonville yeah. in that What's movie. that guy's I, name? I forget his name. I got to look it up. Re- yeah. And, and one of, yeah before it's got to be go, on somewhere this week, yeah. doesn't it, John? It's got to air oh, somewhere because yeah. I actually enjoyed the movie. Oh, I thought it was well done. Yeah, I'm a Costner guy. I'm a Jennifer, way, Jennifer Garner guy. I, I know how you? silly it was, but I loved it. Yeah, it was silly. I got, I got a good Kevin Costner, Jennifer Garner story. Uh, really? From the Super Bowl when it was in uh, New York. Well, really, North Jersey. But uh, they were promoting draft day. Uh, 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 and I'll tell you the story. We got to get to Chris Franklin. But on my pocket list, before we do that, we got to say, you know, it's the draft day live program for Jacob Media. It's also going to be on 6abc.com, Jody. So if you're not there, you can watch it on 6abc.com. You can watch it on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Seth Joyner, Mike Quick, Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Devin Caney, uh, big stars. We couldn't get Chris Franklin because he's got to go there with me at the Novacare Complex. He's in the green room laughing. Uh, you can go in a luxury bus. Just email Krause at jacobmedia.com. Say Jody Mack wants you on the bus. McMullen wants you on the bus. Um, Jacob Media YouTube channel live draft special 6abc.com as well. Krause up on the screen there. Krause at jacobmedia.com. Jody Mack wants you on the bus. One thing you don't want to say is Barrett Brooks wants you on the bus because then we're going to think you're just coming along for the food. So, uh, no, you don't you don't write that in an email, but McMullen, McDonald, uh, yes, get that. Yes, and all the details, as you see also, theoceanac.com. Go to theoceanac.com, get the details, and then get on the bus, Gus or Russ or whoever else you might want to be. Head down, have a good time with the Jacob Media guys down in Atlantic City at Oceans. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We see him in the green room. Chris Frank on NJ.com joins us next. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and we are joined by Chris Franklin from NJ.com. Now, I think he's broadcasting from a new outlet. Uh, we've seen you in different places, Mr. Mr. Franklin. He's in the newsroom, I think. Yep. What's that backdrop you got going today? That's actually the T from the Gloucester County Times. That's yeah. that they used the old building that we used to be at. So I'm I'm in the newsroom again. This is like my. I thought I was going to have to go like this. I thought it was uh, some <laughs> if I just rise artifact. <laughs> Oh, it's a fun time. I, I, it's my second home. I mean, got the TVs going. I break down draft film here, see everything's going. Eagles, I, I, I might as well go ahead and get a bed right over there at times, it feels like. But yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. The, the newsroom days, it's, uh, I miss them, Chris. Um, I'm in my home studio, but we'll see. Um, you know, it is draft week. But before I get to draft week, we haven't brought this up yet in this program, but it is also the start of the Eagles offseason program. And um, one of the big moves, if you want to call it big, is the move from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside from wide receiver to tight end, as our buddy Jeff McClain reported last week. Um, What do you think about that move? You think it's just a last-ditch effort? You think it's a legitimate chance to find a roster spot? Do you think the Eagles are are just – you know, writing them off, or is this a legitimate opportunity to make this football team? It felt like that move happened last year when we saw him just basically yeah. blocking yeah. on those screen passes yeah. and, and and just basically blocking on run plays. But I think for him, I think it's the best shot because I think it's the best chance that he has of sticking on this roster right now. When you just look at overall, it looks like they're going to take a wide receiver in this draft, so you lose a spot there. They seem 
dead set of his appearance for at least for now Rager and you got Smith and then if they trade for somebody you never know they happen that way too so that's the way and then when you look at the backup tight end spot it's a big question mark right now he has a legit chance to compete you got Tyree Jackson coming off that knee injury you have Jack Stoll who played a little bit more toward the end of the season but you still have some questions about that so he's got the route run he's got to develop like is he good enough to block with his hand in the ground if he develops that all of a sudden now you're looking at your possible backup tight end backup tight end 12 and it's not it's not a great tight end draft um you don't look at the tight ends and say because the eagles could use some depth obviously dallas goddard is tremendous as the starter but jack stole did a nice job but i do think they would like some improvement at that tight end two position and tyree jackson isn't going to have an off season because he tore his acl in in week 18 so Maybe there is um, a little bit more to this move than just last-ditch effort uh, to save J.J.'s potential Eagles career. And, and then look how many times can you keep bringing back Richard Rodgers as well, too. There's only so many times you feel like, okay, yeah, we guys, get excited. He's coming back for another year. I've seen this, <laughs> seen this film before. Okay, now. Nah. But when you got – I mean, they're not afraid to go ahead and try to convert wide receivers to tight ends. We saw the Hakeem Butler experiment, even though yeah. it didn't work out well. But they've been trying to look for somebody to fill that type of role like who's a good route runner as, and go ahead and attack the middle of the field. So I get, they are hoping, I guess, he can do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's going to be on the team. I do not think he'll be one of the 53. Uh, but we got months and months and months to debate that. Instead, let's stay with today. Where John went, I'll follow up. What are the Eagles trying to achieve this week with their offseason workout? This is year two Nick Sirianni. This aligning practice from last year was just a, hey, how are you kind of guys get together? Because most of the players hadn't had a chance to even shake Nick's hand yet. And when they did, they went to rock, paper, scissors. But we'll put that aside, too. Um, (laughs) What are they attempting to achieve this week, the Birds? I think it's a couple of things. The first one to see is who actually stayed in shape and who got better. I think those are two things I think over who stayed in shape, especially because, you know, a lot of times when you're at home, I know some of these guys are disciplined, but, you know, you're out with your friends, you're out with everybody else, your family, and you say, how you doing? Eh, cheeseburger, two, three, four. <laughs> Next thing you know, like, wait, we wanted you to play at like 320. Why are you up to 340 now? All right, get back in the gym. So I think that's one thing. And I think also I'll see who else actually shows some improvement. I mean, when you look at Jalen Hurts, if you get a chance to see how much he's approved and when it comes to his throwing motion, that'd be good. When you look at Jalen Rager, I mean, we keep hearing, oh, wow, he's in the gym. Well, did he actually improve and can he actually translate that to the field? There's so many little things that you want to see these guys do. And then also, if you're like a guy like Jonathan Gannon, you have these new pieces, you know, maybe you kind of want to see how they go to the fit, you know, start floating some ideas over, see how you want to play this year out too. So I think even though it's not, Hey, they're on the field. You don't have those practices. It's still very important time to get in even chemistry too. That's another aspect. Um, but the organizational philosophy with that, Chris, uh, when we got to talk to Howie last week, I think it was Zach who asked him the question at the end of the press conference and he kind of, you know, shrugged it off. I'm thinking about the draft and he shrugged that one off to Nick Sirianni, which I thought was kind of ironic because, I don't know if Nick Sirianni's the one driving this. Do you get the feeling that he's driving this? And by driving, I mean the Eagles started a week late than they could have. They they scrapped mandatory minicamp. They're one of two NFL teams that aren't having any mandatory work. Um, 
I've yet to meet the football coach. I always say that doesn't want to practice. Is he the first uh, football coach that really doesn't want to practice and doesn't see that much value in the off season work? I think it's more of a, the sports science guys get in the air going, yeah, Hey, we have this yeah. new study here saying yeah. that we want to prevent soft tissue by 17%. And, yeah. and, and I think it's more of that one too, because every coach wants to get every, every opportunity, every minute to try to instill whatever the philosophy they have. They want to have that. And the fact, I, I don't mind that there's not mandatory ones. Cause I think these guys pretty much know it's mandatory wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And you want to get these and they're going to show most of the guys, like 85, 90% of the guys are going to show up anyway. I think it's more of the aspect of I think he's still trying to be that player's coach, like still think he was still wants to be our of him, but enough that he goes, you know what? Hey guys, I know I want I'm caring about your health and everything else like that, but it just feels like that's the new sports science side is having a lot of say when it comes to when it like how much often they, they practice and stuff like that, especially when it comes to hey, they're starting so late now heading into the draft time. Since it is the Eagles' first workout day and they're probably not going to do anything overly organized and or run plays from scrimmage or anything like that. But that will come as the offseason plays on. Are you more excited or more worried about Miles Sanders this offseason? And here's why I ask the question. Miles knows it's a big year for him. Contract coming. Uh, they're looking to cut back on second year, con- second time around contract for all running backs. They're like, you can go so crazed that you're so good that a team can't even envision being without you. So they got to give you some decent money or he could try and do too much and he could try and push the envelope and he could get a little sloppy with the football because he knows how big a year this is for him. Which one rings more true in your mind? Miles Sanders motivated going off or Miles Sanders motivated making mistakes? I'm more worried about him being motivated, being too motivated in the sense that I think that he's going to be trying that. Because, listen, going into this year, I know he's going to be – we're going to ask him, like, that first day he's available, we see him. What's going on? Why haven't you gotten a contract extension? How do you feel him? And that weighs in your mind. You feel like, oh, they don't want to give me a contract extension. They think – or. Heck, if they take somebody in the draft, oh, they want to bring somebody and replace me. I'm going to show them. I'm going to. If I don't show them, I'm going to show the next team that's wants to sign me. And so you worry about him cutting and trying to do too much and press himself forward. And sometimes that leads to injuries. And we know his history when it comes to injuries as well, too. So, it, so stuff like that. I'm a little more worried. He's going to try to do too much and not try to play within the system or play within himself. And that's that's setting up to something to be concerned about for the long run, because you know you're going to need them this year, especially with all the other pieces that you have currently right now in this, this offense. You don't have – you have Boston Scott, you have Kenny Gainwell, but Miles Sanders is the best by far. I think when you look at that trio, but Miles is the best by far. You can't have him out missing games. So you, they, they have to find a way to rectify this soon, either tell them, listen, we're just going to play this out the rest of the year or, you know, actually extend them. <laughs> um. Let's talk about that extension. How how do you see a path to an extension? Because I look at it this way, Chris. You know, if Miles does sort of what you just described and Jody said, you know, maybe presses a little bit too much, maybe has a bad season, well, the Eagles aren't going to want him. On the other hand, if he turns into the guy we all thought he could turn into and he's a 1,400-yard rusher, He's going to be really expensive at a position they don't think is very valuable. Um, looking for big money on a second contract, and he's probably not going to be here. 
Is there a path for Miles Sanders to get a second contract with the Eagles other than, you know, a Jordan Howard type situation where the market isn't there and they say, oh, we'll bring it back? I think there's a path, but I think it's getting very, very narrow each day it goes by. Because I still think that when you look at overall and, and the way the landscape is starting to shape out a little bit for that position, you're right. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're right. Like that position right now, when it comes to the Eagles or across the league, nobody's paying running backs big money like they're doing wide receivers and quarterbacks. But at the same time, when you look at the true, I'd probably say top half of the, in the league, and I put Sanders up in that top half of the league, after that, I started to think like, okay, you got these tweeners, and there's not a guy who – shows the ability to actually take over a game like he does. And we've seen what happens when he and Hertz are on running run op, re, uh, read options and the explosiveness he goes. He, he ripped off two years ago, ripped off like three three runs of 70 yards. Yeah, he still has yeah. that capability. It's a matter of just it's, it, the longer their wait, the longer they're setting themselves up to be without him next year. It just, it just looks like that more and more. All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure we had you on and asked about him, but uh, I don't remember your answer, so I'm going to, I guess, ask you to reiterate. The Kaiser White signing for the Eagles. Just a slight upgrade from Nate Singleton, a major upgrade that is being undersold. We're kind of questioning the Eagles offseason moves after Hassan Reddick, nothing really jumping off the board. What is your evaluation of what kind of season Kaiser White's going to have for the Birds at linebacker? I think when we look back at it, and I know it's not saying a lot because they haven't really made a lot of free agent moves, but I think they look back when it's going to be one of the most. I think I'll go out and want to say this. I think it's going to be one of the most undersigning signings in the league this season, because when you look at where the issues the Eagles had a, a lot last year, it was covering the tight ends in the middle of the field. I think they gave up the most either receiving yards or catch. I think it's receiving yards and touchdown receptions to the tight ends. And when you look at a guy who was a former safety, a guy who's real. I think my opinion is one of the better cover guys when it comes to linebackers, off the ball linebackers, you needed that. You needed to find a way to rectify it. I think you can have, you can do so much with them. You can play them as the linebacker in a dime situation where you say, you say, you know what, we're just going to let, Hey, Kaiser, worry about covering the middle field. We'll just let the defensive backs take out the outer edges in the back and deep. Okay, cool. You look at a guy who you can bring off the edge. Who's athletic enough fast enough. You can bring off the edge. Is he smaller? Yeah. Are you worried about now that you have a son Reddick and Kaiser White, two smaller linebackers now? You're susceptible yeah. to run. Yeah. Good but point, the thing Chris. is, yeah, it's scary. But the thing is, when you look at the way that offenses are going now, they're throwing sixty percent of the time now. So you rather take the gamble and, and be able to do that. So especially with the underneath stuff and the way they like to play deep in, in the zone coverage, having a guy like that underneath to take care of the linebackers and, and sorry, take care of the running backs and the tight ends. You're going to need it like white. He's going. To, I think he's going to excel. Yeah, I tell Jody all the time um, in April, nobody cares about the running game. Nobody. They don't care about running backs. They don't care about undersized defensive ends or Sam linebackers or weak side linebackers. And then all of a sudden, December shows up and, I don't know, Derrick Henry's on the schedule and you're like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, we got to find a way how to stop the run. I don't want to overstate it because obviously you have to throw the ball to win in this league consistently. And from a defensive standpoint, that means you should be spending more time trying to figure out how to stop the path pass. But isn't there got to be a happy medium? Uh, I, I think you bring up a good point with, with Reddick trying to set the edge at times and Kaiser white trying to support the run on the second level. That that's a bit of a red flag to me. Am I overstating it? 
No, but also it makes me wonder if you're going to play a little bit more 3-4 than what we're expecting, too. I wonder if you're going to use Reddick to be like that that guy that lines up on there. But then also you may see – I think you see more four, back, four running back sets, you know, if it's more uh, down, especially against – like if they, when they play Tennessee, I wouldn't be surprised to see Storm Bradley and T.J. Edwards in the middle, and then you let Kaiser White and, and, and Reddick yeah. do their thing on the outside. So it, it's – you would think there would be more balance. I think for the Eagles, they need more pieces because – if Gannon wants to be as versatile as he really truly wants to do, I think you need pieces like him to say, okay, which one, which way are they going to throw rush off the edge? Can you get back and actually, you know, disguise a zone instead of just worry about, hey, this guy is going here, which we saw so many times. Wow, I wonder where Alex Singleton is going to go in that zone because hmm, he's staying right there because that was so. I, I wouldn't be surprised to play more five one. So there's, there's so much you can do with this. So with with these pieces now with that, so it's going to be interesting to see. All right, little crystal ball peek for you, Mr. Franklin. All right, let me grab it real quick. All right, cool. <laughs> which, which Watkins is going to have a better statistical year, Quez or Sammy? Who? I might go. I might go Jalen. Is he still in the league? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll all agree that Danny Watkins is better than Danny Watkins. Yeah, we'll agree. That's better than that. Okay. But I think overall. Looking at the way he could be used and utilized, I think Quez is primed for a really good season. I mean, talking to somebody before, you look at the pressure he can put on a safety. If he's in the slot, the pressure he can put on a safety with his speed, is it really can be used, utilized. It's a matter of if you can get the ball to him as well, too, and utilize him and find creative ways to get him in there. And, and not just talking about, oh, let's go ahead and throw like a, a quick wide receiver screen. Quez, uh, r- try to do your thing. Like, nah, if you, I think if you scheme him up the right way, he can be a valuable piece. And I look at Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, I have a lot of high hopes when he was first drafted. I really thought he was going to be like everybody, uh, like did. a Mike Ev- like a Mike Evans yeah. type guy. You just look at him, it's like, oh wow, this guy's oh, he's a physical specimen. He could, he could basically play bully ball, the football version of bully ball. Okay, it's great. And he's just falling off. And it's it's sad seeing a way when you have a guy like that, but who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought Quez Watkins looks like to be to have a better outcome? Man. Yeah, I, I, I know it, it's an unfair stat, uh, but. Yeah, I'm gonna take Sammy because he's getting the ball from yeah. Aaron Rodgers. I was gonna it's say if, if if Sammy's <laughs> gonna play, that's the key to the question. If Sammy's gonna play, uh he's going to have bigger numbers because Aaron Rodgers has thrown him the football. But you know, Green Bay, if they take a receiver in the first round, um, and he's not playing, then obviously Quez Watkins. But that brings us to the Eagles. How much is Quez? Is Quez Watkins going to be the wide receiver two or the wide receiver three? That's what I will ask you to look into your crystal ball. Are they going to get a receiver that pushes Quez Watkins into a better position, a domino effect that I think is better for the Eagles and him? Because I think he's a wide receiver three. I don't think he's a wide receiver two. Here's the reason why I think so. I think they take Chris Olive and they push almost in a similar thing like they do with Jalen Rager, thinking, oh, okay, he's a better fit for this offense. And then they move, move Watkins to three, trying to plug and play him. I really think that it just feels like they're going that route. And to me, I wouldn't do that. I think, I think, I agree. I think Quez is more of a wide receiver three, but I would have loved them to see bring up a, a true veteran receiver. And I'm not, yeah. not to knock Zach Pascal because I think he's good for what he is, but I don't think he's a wide receiver two. So, it's almost it's almost like he's gonna to have to be two by default. It's like, well, we ain't putting Rager in there. Well, JJ's a tight end now. Hey, what's up, Quez? Hey, we always believed you're a wide receiver too. Yeah, go out there and until I talk themselves into it a little bit more and more. But I just I, I like what he brings, 
I just don't know that if he's the right guy, like as a wide receiver too, as of right now, you need a veteran, get a veteran guy or trade Jameson Williams or, or put George Pickett, somebody like that, put him in the two and then you use him in three, but is Slim Pickens in the wide receiver room right now? I uh, so you don't like Chris Olave. I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised by that. I like Chris Olave for this reason, Chris, for the Eagles, because he can run routes. I think he's the best route runner uh, amongst the the rookie receivers. Maybe Jamison Williams. I I should put Jamison Williams, but I don't, I don't think Jamison's going to be there. I I so. If I put Jamison aside, because that's the player I would want for the Eagles, not for every a bunch of other teams, but for the Eagles, I would want Chris Olave next because they haven't shown me every any evidence they can utilize manufactured touch players or big receivers like Drake London with the back shoulder stuff and they can't do that stuff. So I just want the guy that can run routes and can get open. And I think that's the best fit for the Eagles. Am I being too harsh on them? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I think when I look at Olave, I just look at I just look at what's probably going to be on the board when they're picking either 15 or 18, probably 18. But for him, I think it's going to be around 18. When I look at the board and I just look at what this team really, really needs, and I look at the edge rushers, I look at the defensive tackle, like I got Jordan Davis or Wyatt. I look at and then you have a lot of it. You compare them to some of the other guys that could be down there. When you look at Pickens, when you look at see, I don't want Sky. I like Simon, but I think he's more of a slot guy, and his team needs more of a big one. But I look, I like Pickens a lot. I really like George Pickens so much so that I would consider giving one of the fifths up to move up in the second round to get him that much because I think he's that big of a physical guy. I just think this team needs a bigger physical guy who's also a good route runner. I think Pickens is a good route runner too, and so. And see, see, the reason why I know they're going to pick a lot is this feels like that because we hear every time Sirianni, when he talks, like he loves the way the right guys, he emphasizes route running. And this is looking for just one need with this team right now is not the direction I think they need to go. I really think they need to get some size on that outside and a guy who can be a game breaker, especially in the red zone. Because when you look at some of these receivers they have, Dallas Goddard is really the only truly big target that you have down there. I know Devonta Smith can get open, he can get open in there, but. I just look at Pickens. I just see a guy who can be your, who can be your red zone threat, and has another one and just truly spreads that offense out in that area. All right, Franklin. Next question is a two-parter. The first one is an under/over or a before or after, mm-hmm. and then uh, follow up as well. Before or after midnight Friday. So we're looking past day one, day two of the draft. When will Andre Dillard be traded? Before or after midnight Friday? And if he is dealt, will he be dealt for a 2022 pick or another 2023 pick as how he continues to spread out his draft capital over uh, years, if not decades? (laughs) I think it's going to be after. What I would do, personally, if I was a GM, since there's talk of more player and picks combinations and Seattle potentially is looking to get out at nine, maybe you throw 15, a third and Dillard because they need a tackle. You float that out there and go, Hey, I know you want to get and out. Who are the Eagles taking at nine? At, with the You're nine. doing it for a reason. You're doing it for a player. If you got them trading up from 15 to nine with the Seahawks, Dillard's part of the deal because of a Seattle need. Who are the Eagles taking at nine? 
Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley Jr. Wow. I, I still yeah. think Gardner's. To, I still think teams are going to think Gardner's the number one corner. And at nine, given that you don't have Stephen Nelson, you struck out on stuff on Gilmore. I think Stingley Jr. is the guy, guy I would use that. I use that on a corner. I package okay. that move up, and you, now you got somebody opposite of Darius Slay. You got two really good athletic corners on the outside with Avante Maddox in there. I think you you improve your defense a lot right there. That secondary looks a lot better now with those with those three, if they were all together, I think that secondary looks a lot. So I personally, I would package Dillard that night. And if Seattle wanted a tackle and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, do it. Do it. Otherwise I think I still, I think there's a very good chance. He's still on this roster when this draft's over. I really truly think that is, mm. I, 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 I don't know, just given the injury history. I mean, given like we saw what happened with my line, I know it was a freak thing with his leg, but then also you need some death guys and, I'm the Raven Clark is in it for me. I'm sorry, the Raven Clark, <laughs> Raven. But yeah, it's uh, it's, I just think that's the guy. That's the guy to uh, if, if he doesn't go at nine, if he don't trade on Seattle at nine, then I think he's staying on that roster personally. All right. Well, I I I think I know where you're going. If Andre's going to be here, so Jalen Rager is Jalen Rager going to be here on May first after the draft. Are the Eagles going to get somebody to buy in? Maybe a team thinks back to the draft that year and says, oh, he's pretty explosive. Let's see if we can turn things around. Is there any way the Eagles can ship off Jalen Rager during draft weekend? I don't think draft weekend, but I think the day before, like for the final roster cuts, when teams are looking to finalize their roster, say, "Hey, I got a player I don't want." Hey, you got a player we don't want to have a need. Okay, I think that's when he goes. I really, truly think that they're they're going to try to pop, unless I mean, if somebody's willing to pay a fifth for Rager, fourth or fifth, you get pennies. I know it's pennies on a dollar. Take it, run and take it right now. Run up in that call right there. Call the league office. Put that thing through. Just put it through. But I. I I think they're going to try to give this guy every chance they can to prove that he's all right. I mean, look, I mean, if, if what we're seeing with JJ Arcega Whiteside and they're doing position switch to save him, they're definitely going to I think going to do the same thing, especially with Jalen Rager, give him every opportunity to prove that he can he's improved and prove that he can be a contributor in this offense. All right, last one for me, and I expect a Chris Franklin tweet with picture included on this when you first get to an Eagle workout. Okay. Uh, Gardner Mustache, the Eagles' backup <laughs> quarterback. Okay. Bigger and bushier, streamlined, completely gone, or now nah, we just go with those three. Bigger and bushier, streamlined, or completely gone. What will be your caption under your picture of Gardner Minshew's mustache? I think it's going to be bigger and bushier. And I think it's going to be one of the ones where it looks like he's like, what, Gardner, we're not in the 80s anymore, man. You can get rid of it. It's all right. I mean, I, I like it, but, yeah, come on, man. Like, like the, the team facial hair, all right, cool, I'm cool with it. But that thing is like, yo, man, <laughs> it's, it's got a mind of his – we, we all know uh, Stephen Colbert has that thing about uh, – I, f- I forget the uh, the former uh, U.N. secretary, uh, his mustache and everything else. It almost – it looks like he almost has his own avatar, his own character where Gardner Minshew's mustache just starts talking to everybody else. Is that thing's going to be that – It's John Bolton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. John Bolton, yeah, yeah. John Bolton one. Yeah, the, yeah. He's gonna, it's going to have its own 
his own. I think like John Bolton's thing that Colbert does. I think Gardner Mustache uh, is going to have a life of his own and just take off. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a Twitter account that pops up. Gardner Mustache's mustache is not out there already. It's, I I think uh, he's uh, trying to compete with Ted Lasso for the best mustache <laughs> on the planet. So uh, would not be surprised if Big Aaron Butcher is the way that it goes. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Franklin, always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on board. We'll get you back in a couple of weeks. Enjoy uh, getting down covering the Eagles workouts and the draft this week. It'll be a busy one for you. Have a good time. Thanks. Enjoy draft week, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Chris. See you down there. NJ.com. Hanging with us on Birds 365. All right. Coming back, we got to put a bow on the show, tell you about the big gathering coming up on Thursday for round one with your Jacob Media buddies, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The countdown is on for the NFL draft. Jason counting. 
And we'll certainly be talking about it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday be a great day here on Birds 365 because we'll have round one to analyze and look ahead to day two, which is rounds two and round three. But for day one, if you want to get out and celebrate with some of your Jacob media favorites, which do not include John McMullen or Jody McDonald. Uh, not that we don't want to be there. McMullen has to be at the Eagles headquarters at the Novacare Complex. I'm going to actually be on CBS Sports Radio. After our draft coverage, I'll be on until 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, giving you guys a chance to chime in. Yes, Eagle fans, I'd like to hear from some of you Thursday or Friday night. If you're not down at the big party at Oceans, Johnny Mac, what are we missing out on? Missing on a lot. You know, Jody Mack would be exciting to see, but he's got to be on CBS radio. As he said, nobody wants to see me, but you do want to see Seth Joyner. You do want to see Mike Quick. So we have legendary Eagles, obviously, D. Gunn, Rob Ellis, Devin Caney to pretty up the joint at the Ocean AC. Um, you can find out all the details at theoceanac.com. But email, here's the key, email Krause at Jacob Media to get on the luxury bus. Put in uh, Jody Mack wants me on the bus. McMullen wants me on the bus. In the subject line, Krause at jacobmedia.com. The top golf swing suite at the Ocean AC Resort. There's going to be dining. There's going to be drink specials, entertainment from Max Friedman, everything, giveaways, happy hours. What more could you want, Jody McDonald? All right, uh, let us finish up on this note. At some point on Thursday night, while everybody is gathered down in AC at Oceans, the Eagles are going to make their first pick. It could be at 15, right where they're scheduled to take it right now. It could be at 18, because they've traded down from where they were supposed to pick. It could be even further than that, or it could be at 9, as uh, just suggested by our buddy Chris Franklin, a deal between they and the Seattle Seahawks to get up and target a player and get them. When that pick is made in the room, Will there be a high five, pumping of fists, screaming and yelling, or will there be a what, 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 Howie, what, what, what? Which way is it going to go? A massive reaction mm. from the birds fans in attendance, or a throwing up of hands, going, "We did it again." Um, I think at 15, or certainly if they go up, it's only going to be excitement. I think everybody kind of knows the players in the mix is how we kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag. One through 20 is the top tier. So I think everybody knows the players. So it comes down to an individual person, Jody. Like if it's Jordan Davis, a a lot of people I think are going to be upset because they want to see a wide receiver or that. Then you have Chris Franklin just on the show. He doesn't like Chris Olave at all. So if it's Chris Olave, you know, that's going to spark disappointment for him. I don't know. I think other people would get excited by the skill position player. But I, I don't see any – I think the the upset, if there's going to be any um, wringing of the hands, would be for a massive trade down. And I don't think that's that's in the cards for – the Eagles think there's 20 good players, number one. Number two, 
lot of teams want to trade down, makes it more difficult. I I don't see a path to disappointment, huge disappointment. Maybe the biggest disappointment, and I'll ask you, Jody, this as well, Jordan Davis because of the position he plays. I, I People don't get excited by offensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, even though they might be the best picks. All right. I will ask you to be the crowd. You are the crowd, McMullen. You get to act in place of every single Eagle fan. I'll play Roger Goodell. With the 15th pick, they don't trade up. They don't trade back. They stay right where they're scheduled to as of right now. With the 15th pick, the Philadelphia Eagles take defensive tackle Travis Jones from the University of Connecticut. No, I would be very upset by that. And I love the kid. Yeah, you've been talking him up. I I wanted you to have to split your reaction, Eagle fan reaction, your John McMullen reaction. No, because when I I had Travis Jones, I said trade down to get Travis Jones. I think my assumption is, look, the Eagles want that position. And it's, it's Jordan Davis by far number one, and then Travis Jones number two. And by that position, I mean zero technique, one technique. They want that player. If you can't get Jordan Davis, um, the next best one, and I think he's worthy of a first-round pick, but in the 20s, and 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 you have to go down. If you take him at 15 because Jordan Davis isn't there, that's that's not a good pick. That's not. So even though I like the player, and by the way, it might end up being a good pick, I don't think the valuation is there because you don't need to take him at 15. So that that's where that's where I am with that. We shall see how it shakes out on that. We got a lot of speculation, a lot of hypotheticals to throw out between now and Thursday night. Uh, yours truly will be on the air on CBS. Johnny Mack will be at the Novacare Complex, and everybody will be tuned to the Jacob Media YouTube channel because we got a big show coming up on Thursday night. But you got to get to us. Got to get Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday before we ever get to Thursday night. I'm back here tomorrow. How about you, McMullen? I'm going to be back here. Tim McManus, I want to give uh, people coming back to the program. So that's exciting. Uh, Timmy Mack will be back. So it'll be Mack, Mack, and Mack uh, tomorrow. Shane Hallam from DraftCountdown.com. So we get more draft people. We got it all for you this week on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We shall do it all again tomorrow in 2 and 2. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret 
and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.